to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Yeah, so Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you that, uh, that there is the sound um, in this place of, of, of energy and momentum. There's a roar of the wind. That, that's blowing over this house. God, I thank you for that. And uh, Lord, I invite it today, Father, that by your spirit and also by your angel, Lord, that you would release the roaring wind of change over this house. God, we speak to it that it already exists, Lord, but we, we speak in alignment to the process right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for divine tools to be able to navigate the seas in high wind. Lord, I thank you that your hand is on the leadership team here, and uh, God is on this community, and Lord, you're doing a work, surely in our day, that is is worth being a part of. Father, I thank you for that, and uh, Lord, I just pray right now that you would, uh, God, you'd say something through me that would be helpful. You should agree to that one, by the way. Amen. That's yes. Father, I just thank you that uh, that you would you would release a spirit of revelation and wisdom. Lord, that, that we'd be transformed by who you are, who you reveal yourself to be. God, but that you would give us a wisdom, Lord, that would transform the world around us. Lord, we pray these things right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody who agreed with that said, Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, we hail from Minnesota, where my wife and I have, uh, have been married for 20 years and uh, like, like Andre, Pastor Andre alluded to earlier, I have seven children and I have one on the way. Yep. So our eighth child will be born uh, May 10th is what the due date is. So, so Nikki, Nikki said to me, my wife's name is Nicole or, Nicole, or Nikki, and uh, she, she said to me before, before I left on this trip that this baby better not be born <laughs> while you're gone. You know, it was almost like a threatening tone. I'm thinking, I'm not here. I can't control this. Why are you mad at me? You know, but... But uh, by God's grace, I'll get home and it'll be fine. We'll be home in time, right? A little bit of affirmation would help here. It's, so, uh, so, so we, you know, some would say um, that's a lot of children. Uh, you know, I, I, I have been struck recently. Now, for us, our journey, um, our journey is a unique one. You know, when the Lord... The Lord came to us. We were married five years before we uh, even considered having children. Um, and, uh, and he came to us and he said, would you let me plan your family? Like he asked us. Jesus asked Nicole and I, would you let me plan your family? And, you know, at first, that, that, was, the, that was the moment of letting go of control, right? He was asking for us to relinquish our choice in this manner. And he was asking us to invite him into this process. And and, you know, both Nicole and I, we, we love the Lord, and our lives are sold out to him. And, uh, and so so hard to say no to a request like that. Hey, would you let me do this? And, and so, so we said yes. And when you know it, within the first months, we got pregnant. I mean, like, right away, we got pregnant. And Nicole carried to 12 weeks when we had our first um, miscarriage. And it was such a violent miscarriage that my wife almost lost her life. She ended up in the hospital. They had to do emergency surgery. She had lost so much blood. 
had to do multiple blood transfusions just to spare her life in that moment. And we're laying in the hospital bed after the first, this, this experience. And, um, and we're in a recovery room. And, and I'm laying on the bed with her, you know, we're just crying and we're, we just really don't know what to think about this because, because Jesus had come to us and said, will you, will you trust me to let me plan your family? And I assumed that when you say yes to God, knowing that his plan is good, that his ways are good, that his, like, I trust that in him. I trust his character. He's been so faithful in our lives. Like our, our story is ridiculous in terms of the goodness of God that's been displayed in our lives. And, um, and so, so we're, we're just in shock because it didn't go the way that we thought it would go. Can anybody relate to this? Felt like I had a promise and then it went the opposite direction of what, like that, you know, <laughs> poor kid. That's how I felt, right? I, I, and so we're laying there and, and we're grieving. And in the midst of the hospital room, the Lord came to us and said, would you let me plan your family? In the midst of the loss, he came back and he, he said, I need you to sign up again. I need you to sign up again. Would you let me plan your family? Do you trust me to plan your family? So in the midst of our tears, we said, yes, Lord. We would conceive soon after, after you know, Nicole recovered, and, and our first son uh, was born. His name is Josiah. And uh, he's now 15 years old. Um, so I have, I have one boy and I have uh, six girls. So, so after Josiah was born, him and I got together and decided to start a women's ministry. <laughs> yep, that's kind of how it went. Um, but with each, with each child, and I'm telling this story because I feel like this is, there's something in this that's supposed to give hope to you, okay? With each child, the Lord would come to us and say, will you let me... Like, do you trust me? Will you let me plan your family? And we would say yes to him. You know, our journey has had us, like, we, we have eight babies in heaven. And we have eight here on earth. Multiple times, uh, Nikki almost lost her life because they were such a violent experience of the loss. Um. You know, I, there have been multiple times where I've had to carry my wife's limp body into an emergency room, hoping for them to save her. Because we're people of faith. We're believing that the Lord is going to restore something. And so even though there's not a heartbeat, I'm, pre, I'm decreeing, re, you know, resurrection over this child. And, and I, I got to tell you that every time the Lord came back to us, every single time, he would say, do you trust me to plan your family? And I would have to answer from a place of just experiencing pain and disappointment and loss. Yes, Lord, I trust you. I know that your ways are higher than my ways. Now, I don't believe for a second that the Lord took those babies. I don't believe that he ordained that Nicole should go through pain. But you know what's amazing that, about God is that he so marries himself to your life that he's right there in the midst of the most painful experiences of life. He's right there in the middle of it. He's with you in it. He, he's not going to forsake you out of it. He's right there walking with you. And he's so close to it that it's like, it, it's, it's like God, how, if you were so close in this, how is it that this happened this way? 
I'm just being real with you today. I hope that's okay. Uh, we're all on a journey together, by the way. You know, I, we, during worship, I mentioned to Josh that uh, this experience is a lot like our church in the early days. Oh, man. Felt like we're... Yeah, it's much cooler than ours was. You guys are, you guys are way more hip than we were. <laughs> but but uh, you meant temperature? Stop talking to me. Okay, yeah. We, in the early days of our church, though, it, was, it felt just like this, where there's such expectation and momentum. I, just, I loved it. I'm sitting in worship, and I'm, I'm thinking back of just the roar of the sound that's in this room and such life. And, and as I was experiencing that, kind of sort of reliving those moments for us, I felt the Lord say, for you, to cherish these moments. I, you know, sometimes you take for granted things. You're on a journey, and you take for granted where you're at because you're trying to get to where you're trying to go. You know, and so everybody's got their focus on where we're going next, where we're going next, because that's more exciting than where we are. But, but I, I'm just encouraging you right now. Take inventory. Sit back. Enjoy. Embrace and, 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 and encounter the times that you're having right now because there are sweet times of both the fellowship and of this, this atmosphere and the worship here. And, and the reason I say that is because y'all are changing. You, you, are, you are growing. I don't know if you know this yet or not, but not only are you growing, you're about to grow. There's a sound of the wind of the Lord over you that's going to cause change and momentum. There are, there are things that, that are needing to bring, that, that as you bring alignment, that, that your, your boat is going to zoom forward. And uh, it's from him. You know, it's quite literally, Pastor Andre, for such a time as this, you know, the, Lindsay had given you that prophetic word, and, um, uh, or Kathleen, sorry, had given you that prophetic word, and, and it's true. It's for such a time as this. The Lord's done something in you that's prepared you for these days and this team that's around you. But, but this, this place that you're in, this experience that you're in right now, enjoy it while it's last because it's about to change. It's not a doomsday prophecy. It's just a reality. It's changing. It's going to grow. There's, there's a lot of life here. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. It, always, it doesn't always look the way that you thought it was going to look. God's plan, it doesn't always look the way I thought that we would have had no issues ever with pregnancies because God came to us and he gave us a promise. And what I didn't realize, though, is that there was warfare around our promises, that there was actually stuff that was having to change in Nicole and I in order to embrace his promises, that it wasn't all just on his end, that he had made the promise and then he had given us the opportunity to come into alignment with those promises. And so I, I, I want to say over you today that, that I have a word of wisdom for you. I, I have a word of wisdom. It's a, um, a couple passages of scripture here that I, I'm going to preach and, and share with you this word of wisdom. And it's, it is directly related with you staying in alignment with what God is trying to do in this season. It's necessary, okay? Everyone repeat after me. This is necessary. This is necessary. 
Okay, now knock your neighbor and go, hey, you ought to listen to what he's about to say, okay? Okay. Genesis chapter 1. If you got a Bible, feel free to turn there. Genesis 1. Starting in verse 26. I'm going to read verse 26. We're going to skip down to verse 31 and then read through verse 3 in chapter 2. So we're skipping around a little bit. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish and over the birds of the air, excuse me, the birds of the sky and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 31. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. Everyone say it's very good. There was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work of all he had done and he blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which he had done and he had created and made. Okay, look up here for a second. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God takes coffee breaks? <laughs> Siestas, a nap. Does God finish a day and then he's like, "Woo!" But that was a hard one. <laughs> I think I think I mean I need to, honey. Would you just you know we're gonna shut the the door to the bedroom. I'm gonna go ahead and lay down. Just you know wake me up when dinner's ready. You think that's what God says in heaven? Angels, you know, don't bother me for the next couple hours. God's not having that experience. Why? Why isn't God having that experience? Because he's all sufficient. No end to him, no beginning to him. He has no lack in his being, okay? He's all in all. So when he created the seventh day and he blessed it and he set it up for rest, was he doing it for his benefit? God created the seventh day not for his own benefit. Okay, he created it and he put it in the, the order of what he had created for a purpose. And we're going to discover that purpose here in a moment. So, so on, on day number six, God creates man. He makes him in his image. He sets him over, giving him authority to all things. He sets Adam and Eve into a garden, which they are supposed to cultivate and keep. Their job is to extend the borders of this garden until it covers the rest of the good earth. Their job is to keep or to continue to tend the trees that they have already planted. In the garden, when a seed goes into the ground, a fruit tree bores. Okay? Vegetables pop up. Everything good pops out of the soil of the garden. In fact, every time Adam and Eve go to work, they're never having to deal with any kind of decay. They're never having to deal with weeding their garden, with having to work through any kind of issue. Now, in Minnesota, we have a type of soil. It's, it's rich. It's really dark in color, like black in color. So rich in nutrients. And, and, and we'll plant things, and they'll grow, and they'll, they'll flourish. But along with the plant always is weeds, other different plants that were, you know, somehow mixed up in the soil, like everything grows in that kind of soil. And so we would have to come alongside it and weed it and pull out and to make sure that that, that 
intentional plant would thrive and grow without anything hindering it. Are you ready? Well, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve would not have had to worry about that. They wouldn't have had to deal with that. They were just fruitful all the time. Everything they're laboring into just works. It works, it works, it works. It's an amazing idea if you think about it. When heaven touches your business, stuff works. When the kingdom touches your business, stuff works. It works on your behalf. It works without all the weeds and all the junk happening. The first day of Adam's on-the-job training. Look at this now. God creates Adam. He tells him his job. He puts it in order. He goes, your job is to, to work in this garden. Which, by the way, every person has a primary calling to produce something with their life. You are called to produce something with your life. Now, my dad would say, listen, son, people either work with their hands to produce something or they work with their minds to produce something. You decide what you want to do. Either work with the sweat of your brow and labor or choose to do something with your mind. But either way, you get paid because you produce something. Wages are associated with it. So you're alive. It's a calling from God in the beginning that you are supposed to have a job. I, I, I seriously doubt that you guys have this problem in Singapore. But in America, we, we will have whole generations of young ones who will live in their parents' basements until, really, until mom and dad die, literally having no aspirations to even go get a career or whatever. You can imagine the 40-year-old in the basement sitting in front of the TV playing video games with no aspiration to do anything and mom and dad just continuing to feed them and take care of them as if it's all normal and okay. That's not healthy, yeah? It's not a healthy expression of life because every person is made to labor. God creates man. He gives him his job, purpose. You're going to labor. You're going to do something. Adam wakes up the next day. He's going to start his job. It's the first day on the job. You know the first day on the job? Like, do you remember your first day on a job where you show up and you're, you're nervous? You're like, you're not sure what you're supposed to do. You check in with your supervisor. They're, they're supposed to show you around and they're going to train you and prepare you. And so you've got all that energy. You're nervous. Okay, Adam wakes up in the morning and he's ready. And the first day of Adam's job is what? The seventh day. Wow. Wow. The first day of Adam's job is rest. Now, this is, it, you'll, you'll miss it. It's so simple. So I just want to make sure you don't miss it. But what I'm saying to you right now is actually quite profound. In the world, we work and then we rest to recover from our work. That's how the world works. You know, why are you happy for Fridays? Why? Because you're like, Saturday, we're going to go out tonight. I don't got to work tomorrow, right? It's your time off. You're... 
People get excited about the weekend because they're going to rest and recuperate from the week that they just spent laboring. In the kingdom, my friends, it is not like that. I'm telling you, if you get this principle, if you walk away with nothing else, but you get this locked in, it's going to change the way you do business the rest of your life. You will start to lead a more fruitful existence in your business life just by understanding this. The first day of Adam's job, God actually put him into a state of rest. When you're in a state of rest, you're in a state of being. You're in a state of receiving, of hearing, of seeing, okay? You're in a place, not of labor. You're not looking for what you're going to do next. You are forced to be in a position that's leaning back. Okay, when we work, we're leaning forward and we're trying to make it happen. But when we're in a place of rest, we're leaning back. And on the first day of Adam's assignment in the kingdom, God tells him, you must lean back in order for you to be successful in leaning forward. Now, you can, uh, you can see this woven throughout scripture so many, so many places. But I just, I just want to pause on this one. Um, simply, simply to put it like this. You know, I, I have found that when I strive for achieving something, you know, if I, I, I'm a goal-oriented person. I'm a leader. Um, you know, we, we planted our church 12 years ago. It was eight people in a living room. Now it's a church of over 1,000 people in attendance every weekend. You know, um, we're, we're building a facility right now that, um, you know, that will seat 1,500 people in the auditorium. It'll have a 24-hour house of prayer, additional classrooms and stuff. Our church is going to double in the next, you know, two years. Again, you know, our, our church, it'll, it'll be that a 2,000, 2,500-member church. It would be already if we had the space. Like, I'm a performance guy. I, I like doing well. I'm driven by change. I want to see excellence. Anybody like that in here? Okay. Singaporeans, it's like your whole country's like that. Okay, awesome. I should. I knew I felt at home here, right? <laughs> you know, I, I like that. I really like that. But can I tell you the secret of my success? The secret of my success is not is not goal setting, and strategic planning, and 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 visionary meetings, and and attending conferences where we can see people who have done it better before us and then tried to take notes on what they've done and then go back and I'm going to implement now what they've done. That's not our secret. We don't even do that. I started to at the beginning and it started to make me want to throw up, so I stopped. (laughs) I say that because my relationship with Jesus doesn't work like that. And And I wanted our church to be authentic in its expression of authentic connection with him. You know, it says, we go to the gates of hell and he will build his church. Not the opposite. You know, I'm not building his church. No, he builds his church. So, so all my job is, is if I will connect and I'll see what he's doing, I'll listen to what he's saying, I'll lean back and receive. Then if I will do what I see him doing, the stuff works. It works every time. So for instance, okay, we still have normal things. We have programs, we have children's ministry, we've got all sorts of normal things, okay? 
normal church functions, bathrooms that need to be cleaned, you know, like, you got it, right? Greeters and children's ministry and my goodness, we have children's ministry. Y'all have no idea. Okay, like families in our church have become normalized around that they, they think, if you have like five kids, that's like so normal that they, they actually think they don't have very many children because of all the families that are larger in there. So when young, when young people come into the church and they get married and stuff, we, t- we warn them. We're like, listen, it's in the water. Like... <laughs> You are going to start to feel like the idea of eight children is a normal idea, okay? We're just warning you right now because this is what happens. So we have, we have our eldership, we have one elder with six kids, another with six kids, and one with nine children, one with eight children. Like everybody just all has kids like this. So it's, that's... But we're a family, and... And families don't function according to a business plan. That's, I, don't want, I want life in the church. I don't really want to attend a high-performance organization every weekend. Andre, if I, if I get out of bounds, you just kick me. That's fine. Okay. I, I don't, I'm, I'm all about excellence. I love excellence. Okay. I, I want our church to be a high-performance organization, but I am not trying to build a high-performance organization. I think that that sense of greatness and excellence should come out of our intimacy with the Lord. That we do things excellently because it, it's actually responding to how great He is. You know, the artists of the world should be coming to the church wondering how in the world they, they could become so inspired as we are. We look at the most beautiful thing in the in the universe, every, every week that we worship, we are gazing on the most beautiful being in all the world, right? And, and all we can come up with is with veggie tails? Right? Come on, guys. Come on. Okay. Don't make me remove you, Josh. <laughs> Listen, okay. All right, obviously I'm being a little funny here. But, but here's the deal, okay? Jesus made some comments about his life. He said, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Okay, what does that look like? In the practicality, what does that look like? Um, you're, you're, you're in a time of prayer. I'm assuming you take time to pray. You're in a time of prayer, and you get a picture in your mind, like where the Lord just like shows you a glimpse of something. And, and maybe you could, you could see your situation playing out in that way, right? And so you saw this picture beforehand. What if I told you the Lord was showing you where he's at in that, that situation? He's given you a picture of what he's doing. And now it's your job to come alongside him and do what he is doing. I, I had this experience. I was in the Philippines, and we were, um, we were ministering. It was about a room about this size, and uh, mostly college students. And um, I was in Los Banos. It was the, the, the college campus there and um, University of Manila. <coughs> Excuse me. University of Philippines, Los Banos. And, um, and, and uh, the guy I was ministering with, he, says over, he looks over at me and he goes, listen, I had this picture that, that I am on the floor and everybody around me, this whole room is doing a hog pile on top of me. And everybody's laughing and everyone's rolling around. And I'm like... 
I'm like, okay, that's a nice picture. Like, are you wanting me to preach that? What do you, what's your, like, what kind of, it's, you know, I, okay, you see in this picture, but how effective is that? What do you do with that? You know, so we get into the service and, and uh, you know, and God's moving and we're beginning to prophesy over people and minister. And, and, um, and then there's this moment where my friend walks over and he lays hands on this lady and she just starts busting out in joy and falls over. Well, when she falls over, he goes ahead and goes with her, right? And they're on the ground rolling around laughing under the power of the Holy Spirit. God's just like doing this work in them. And now they bump into somebody and they fall over. You can see where this is going. Before the end of the evening, there's a hog pile of people on the ground rolling around laughing, you know, and where God's joy is touching all these lives. Now, if I was leading this service from a point of, of leadership and control, and we got to the moment where, where it's a serious moment and we're ministering to people seriously, and all of a sudden I have this person fall over on the ground and she's knocking into chairs and she's laughing and whatever, isn't that the moment where I ask the ushers to come over and take her out? If I'm in my high-performance organization, maybe not this church, okay? We'll test it and see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but can you see what happened there? See, I was responsible for leading that meeting. And because the Lord showed us what he was doing, then when it happened, we were able to partner with it instead of squelching it. There are so many times that God gave you an idea, he put a thought in your head, and then you find yourself in the situation and you wonder, wait, should I do that? And you question it, not realizing that the Holy Spirit was giving you a heads up and he was inviting you into it. My friends, this is one of the ways that you rest before you labor. You lean back and see before you do. Find out what he's doing before you do. You know, I... I um, we have a school of ministry. You know, these are some of the students. That our, our school's got 80, 80 students. They're, um, we're in um, seven nations right now, around the world right now. Uh, we're doing uh, gospel campaigns in Brazil. We're doing gospel campaigns in the Philippines right now. Um, uh, we're in Thailand. Uh, we're here, Singapore. Uh, we're in England right now, um, as well as in America. And, and there's people coming. The reports are coming in. It's amazing. In the Philippines, they had, uh, they had four, four people, blind eyes, pop open. This is all in an afternoon. They went, they went from village, in this village, they're just going door to door, ministering to each of the families, just loving on people, praying for people. Blind eyes are opening. Hundreds of people came to the Lord, and by the end of the day, there was 12 Bible studies planted in that village, which will turn into churches. Okay? And then that evening, they do the, the, the crusade type event or a, a campaign type event where they, they're going to have worship and it's like a church service and now they're going to preach the gospel to the community and the whole community comes out and all of a sudden something significant is born. You know, that's the kind of stuff that's happening right now. I love all of it. I love it. You know, I, I can get super excited about that kind of stuff. But you know what else I get really excited about? I get really excited about the computer programmer who has his quiet time every morning with the Lord and he connects in with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is giving him wisdom 
so that he knows how to respond to a situation that's going to come that day with wisdom and excellence. And he's just doing his job. And he goes into his job, and a situation comes. And the Lord had already given him wisdom on how to respond. And so he responds in that wisdom. And in that moment, the kingdom advances like leaven, and it shoots through the rest of the loaf, all by a person doing what they saw the Father doing. It doesn't need to end up in a hog pile on the floor or a church being planted or blind eyes being opened. The kingdom advances through our labor. And the invitation is for each one of us to be able to labor out of the place of rest. Let me read. Come on, someone say, that's a good word right there. Hey, turns out that boy can preach. Look at this. Love this one. This is, um, this is Matthew 10, verses 5 through 8. Famous passage. You'll know it. It says, uh, These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them. And he said, Don't go the way of the Gentiles. Don't enter the city. Don't go to the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, everyone say, as you go. Preach. Come on, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Now pause right there, okay? Every part of that passage of scripture are all rah, rah, we're excited, we're going to go for it, things. Right? I can, I can preach a sermon and I can get us really excited about going out and preaching the kingdom. I can, give you all the, I can give you 50 reasons why it's so important. Let's go do it. Give you some instructions. We'll go out there. We're going to see some stuff. It's going to be awesome. Okay? I could, we, could, we, could, we could do a healing service right now, right? And, and get you all equipped so that you know how to move in ministry of healing. And now we're all going on the streets. We're all going to minister in healing, right? We could go. We're going to do this. Right? We can, we can, we can uh, come into the confirmation of the authority of Jesus and then just go start driving demons out of people. We can do all that stuff. Like, it's available to you. Your faces are telling me that I'm lying right now. It's available to you, right? Yes. But look at this next phrase. What's the next phrase say? Cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. What qualifies you to give is that you received. I love evangelism. I love power evangelism. I, I love it. I enjoy it. Last night, man, we had a young lady. Her spine is bent like this, okay? Surgery is a must. She's going to need to put two rods up and down her spine to keep her spine straight, okay? That's the, her condition. We laid hands on her last night, and her spine went brap, 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 straightened out, okay? Love that. Like, that's a good day in Jesus, I love it. But I don't have that to give 
unless I received that. What qualifies you to be able to do the ministry is that you received it first. This is, again, this is a part of resting. You must rest before you labor. Okay? You got you to hear from him. What's he saying? What's he saying? You know, I, I, um, I preach uh, a regular basis. You know, it's part of, part of my role in the body of Christ right now. And... Um, and so, so I'm, always, I'm always having to have some, some kind of content to share. And, and can I tell you that if, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're, you're facilitating a Bible study or, um, or, like, or you're, you're in a situation where you're having to preach from a pulpit on a regular basis, where you're having to communicate, you know what the temptation is? The temptation is that you start to go to the Bible for material for your next sermon. You start studying so that you have something to give. That's what happens. You go to school to become educated in such a way that prepares you so that you have enough information so that you have something to give to the people. And you're supposed to impart and teach the people. The temptation is then that you use the Bible as a means to get material for what you're to communicate. But Jesus said he only spoke what he heard the Father saying. And so what I've found is that if I study in order to have something to say, then I'm laboring to try to achieve something. But if I study to have intimacy with Jesus, just to know him, to connect with him, then when I stand up into a pulpit, all I have to do is talk about what Jesus has been doing in me and I can break the bread off of my life and feed people with it. Jesus said he only spoke what he heard the Father saying. Listen, it's so easy to strive to try to have something to say. It's so easy to try to work to try to achieve something. It's... It's much more difficult. That's why I call this the hard work of rest. It is much more difficult before the task to say, okay, we better soak a little bit in God's presence. I know we have a meeting. I know we only have 10 minutes. We're going to take the first five minutes to be in his presence. I, I know we got decisions to make. Seriously, like right now, it's really difficult, actually, for me to be away from home right now. We, I've, I was having meetings with the city, like three, four meetings of, uh, a day on this building that we're building. And there's just there's so many things happening. And it's all agenda. You just got to keep, you know, piling it on. And, and I get into these meetings, and I'm like, I'm like Jesus, where are you in this? Because I'm really not interested in building a building that you weren't a part of. You know? And so we stop. And place the demand, even on the city officials that come to meet with us. We're like, listen, this is God's building, and so we're going to go ahead and entertain his presence, and then we'll meet. Right? So we just, we'll take a moment. We'll lean back. Do you know how many decisions I have been saved from? Because in the ninth hour, at the last minute the Holy Spirit spoke something to me that I did not know before, and all of a sudden, I am making a completely different decision. 
It happens all the time, guys. And this is your life. Your life is made for fruitfulness. Okay, I'm saying this to the church, and I say this as a word of wisdom. You are in some change. You are. Pastor Andre has been set into place here. By the way, you can trust him. I, I, I've only known him a few, a few you know, experiences of getting to know him, but every time that we talk, though, I can feel such a confidence in the Lord that's in you. It's good, and it's right. You know, so I'm so excited for you, man. And this is for such a time as this. But it means change. It means forward movement. It does. It, it means strategy. It means all those things. But church, before you get driven by the prophetic words that mean this and that, and before you start planning, do yourselves all a favor and make sure that you lean back first and rest before you decide to execute. Make sure you take a moment to lean back and hear from the Lord before you go. You got missions ahead of you. I know you're going to be sending teams into the nations. It's going to happen more and more and more. This is a house that is, it's an Antioch type house. It's supposed to. It's an Antioch nation. You know, God's got a prophetic calling, but, but I spoke this the other day when I was here at Burning Hearts. And I, I spoke it over you then, Pastor Andre. But this is that you have a call to send people into the nations. It's an anointing that's on you guys' life. So before you send them out, make sure you lean back and receive what God has. Listen, they were in fasting and prayer before the Holy Spirit then said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul. It's how it works. And it's the divine order of the garden. When Adam and Eve were in the garden... Their first role was to rest, and then everything worked for them. Once they left the garden, they would have to toil and pull weeds and work with the sweat of their brow to try to produce. But I do believe that what Jesus has done in reversing the curse of sin is that he has invited us in, once again, into that Sabbath day rest that has been provided for us. And that if you'll choose to live your life like this, lean back before you put your hand to the plow, that there is a fruitfulness that's available to you, that you, you will outperform all of your competitors by simply taking time to pray and to seek God first before you do things. You'll outperform all your competitors by simply taking time to lean back and soak in his presence so that you can move forward in the word of the Lord. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, two last things here. Um, as we're in worship, I don't know if you guys do dance or have any of that. Um, like, I, you just watched my daughter dancing a little bit here. Um, there were angels actually dancing in here. And I felt like it was actually an invitation for your church to begin to sculpt the atmosphere. Like, he's wanting to bring a change in the atmosphere, and part of it is actually going to happen through movement. So I, some of you, um, I, I don't even... It could be choreographed. It could be whatever looks good for you guys, okay? I'm not, you know, I could totally see Josh doing choreographed. Actually, I've seen him do choreographed singing. <laughs> but there's, there's something, there was something in that for you. So there, uh, of something with movement. God's going to do something here in that. So raising up a generation of dancers, even in the young ones, little ones, something in it. Home. Um, and then the last thing was Andre on a building. Physical piece of property, a building. Um, 
you know, I, I, I just felt like I was just supposed to share our story. I went to our bank and I said, um, I'm needing a several, it was uh, the, the budget at that time was $5 million. That's what I was needing to break ground and, and um, to add on to our current facility. And so I went to the bank and I said, hey, this is what I need. Um, and, you know, what's your terms or what are you, what are you wanting? And they said, well, we, what we're going to need is we're going to need commitments from the church, you know, all the, all the campaign or, or stuff, information. But we need a million, we need a million dollars in cash before we'll let you break ground. And, um, and so I said, okay, you know, that's the term. So I went back before the Lord and, and I've been waiting on this because, because I, I was waiting for the Lord's timing. And when is it right now to press into like a building campaign, to talk about money, to help the church to embrace this vision, right? We're supposed to do it. I knew we were supposed to do it. It's the right word, but I was waiting for the right moment, the right season. And, and so, so I, I said, um, I'm waiting on him. Well, one morning I wake up and just as clear as day, it was a Wednesday morning. I woke up in the morning, just like normal day and clear as day, the Lord said, okay, son, today is the day to start the campaign. It's like that. So okay. So I, I grabbed my phone and I started writing the list of to-dos. You know, these are all the things I got to do today then, right? I, we're meet with the staff. We're going to go through all these things because I have a list of things that need to be accomplished in order for us to start this campaign, a financial campaign. Uh, all the people we got to communicate with, all this, right? And so, so I go into the office and, um, and I, I, I sit down with my team and we start going through this stuff. These are all the things we got to do. We're going to work for it. And we're 15 minutes into the meeting, and I get a phone call on my phone. I look at the phone. I'm like, that's really weird. Hold on, guys. Let me just take this real quick. So, yes, sir. It's a local business guy in our city. Doesn't attend our church. Local business guy. But he's a friend of ours, so a family friend. So I said, I say, hey, what's going on? And uh, he says, hey, hey, you got a couple minutes this afternoon that we could meet? I said, uh, I said, sure. Actually, after this meeting, I'll, I don't have lunch plans. Come on and do lunch. So yeah, come on over to the office. I'll order some sandwiches. We'll just have lunch together. Said, Great. So I go over to his office. We sit down. He says, uh, he says to me, how much, uh, how much money does the bank say that you need in order to start the building? I haven't told anybody. I didn't tell anybody. He says, how much money does the bank say that you need before to start? I said, a million dollars. He said, okay, it'll be in your bank account today. <laughs> when you wait on the Lord, you don't have to strive for it. Even you can have the right word. You know you're supposed to do it and still end up striving to accomplish something. But my friends, Jesus is the one who builds the church. Let him. Your partner's in it. You're a part of this process. But it's not up to you to carry this load. That's silly thinking. That's like the mouse on the top of an elephant, right? They're walking over the bridge together, and the bridge breaks, and the, and the mouse looks at the elephant and says, wow, we sure crushed that bridge. Like, what are you talking about? It's not you. It's not your weightiness that's going to make this thing happen. You're on top of Jesus, okay? He's the weighty one. You're the little mouse. If you rest then you'll always be in step with him. If you rest and you do not strive, then when you do go and put your hand to it, it'll produce heaven's fruit versus uh, thorns and thistles and the sweat of your brow. If you work real hard, you'll get what you produced. But if you'll learn to lean back, receive from the Lord, and then put your hands to it, you'll get what God can produce.